0: Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's uh, me, Justin Wollen, and uh, you can contact the show at, uh, at Justin Woollen on Twitter, or you can email me at Justin.wollen at cisco.com, 201L. Uh, oh, I love contact... it when he says 201L. Oh, he's here again, isn't he? <laughs> oh, I let him I promote... Really I like... promote him once, and look at him, I can't get rid of him
1: now. Is that permanent? Is You're... that uh, um, permanent? or?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I think Mark needs to step up and, and start does. fighting for his place. Cause... Can I ask
1: a question? Does Mark... That's Uh, Jochen,
0: by the way, if any, whoever hasn't heard this podcast before, that's Jochen.
1: Do you think Mark uh, listens to this when he's not on it? I don't think so. No, I don't think he does either. I keep sending out these little sort of messages to him, but he doesn't bite. He doesn't bite. He's not biting back.
0: Oh, dear me. Anyway. um, It's lovely
1: to see you again. I've missed you this week.
0: I've missed you too, but yeah. we, we're, we've both been like, well, we a, oh, we're had oh, we given timestamps now, haven't we?
1: No, no, we can't talk about timestamps. I can just say that I've missed you this week. Oh, I've missed you too. I had a moment last night it's where I like thought, somebody oh, I'm says I'm not... I love
0: you and not quite sure what to say back. I, I had a moment <laughs> last
1: night. It wasn't late into the night, so don't worry too much. But I thought, oh, I haven't spoken to Justin so far this week. And then I remembered that we were doing this today. Yay.
0: We anyway, we're
1: are. being rude because we haven't introduced our guest.
0: I know, that's it. Yeah. T- Hello, Darren.
2: Hi. Hi, guys.
0: Um, you all right? Yep. Yeah good and sorry sorry for this wonderful rambling intro no no
2: it's always interesting it's always interesting
0: <laughs> it, always a pleasure never a chore always a pleasure so, um so, you still
1: checking your sound levels. no he's i'm multi-tas- not actually, <laughs> t- I'm multitasking because he's, he's multi-tasking. I'm checking,
0: the one thing i didn't do <laughs> oh, was yeah. um i wanted to do a shout out because there's a guy called uh, roy oh, who yeah. contacted me on linkedin and congratulated us on our lovely show it was really nice, so I thought yeah. I better make sure
1: I call it out, and I was—I need is to be he a able- member of your family. I was
2: going to say, is he your brother?
0: No, <laughs> Roy is not. I'm not going to say anything because no, I, no, I, I, I want to uh, keep that, practice, give it private. But he was very nice of Roy to, and hopefully he's listening. And as a big Roy. shout out to Roy, you know who you are. So, but if anybody else wants to contact us, you, you,
1: especially if you're going to say nice things, if you
0: say nice things, you can say horrible things. If you have got anything we'd like you like to hear about, that'd be great. Yeah. But we still haven't got to. But anyway, <laughs> i have got that done now.
1: We've got the I title just, of the podcast. It's a bit random, though. What's random?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. The title of podcast. Robots podcasting. in disguise, Transformers. <laughs> so everybody over the age of forty something will know what we're on about. All the youngsters will go, I don't know what they're on about.
1: Yeah, but well, we should point out to the listeners that um, there was a probably a good 15-20 minute preamble about Transformers on Netflix before we even got to this point. So I think uh, well, uh, you streaming services that are out available, out? you will. Oh, sorry, yes, you will edit that bit out.
0: No, uh, I don't
1: know. I might leave it in. All right. Anyway, we haven't let it down finished. Darren, why are you, What's
0: your name? Where you come from? So, Darren Williams.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm also known as Mr. Hyperflex. So uh, that might give you some clues about what we're going to actually Ooh. cover yeah, today. Well, I need
0: to. We, we need our listeners to understand what. Yeah, we'll, MLR we'll cover is. all that. We'll cover all that. So yeah. we, we're, we're talking data center again. So we're in the world or the the world of data center, because Jochen keeps saying if he, if I'm going to be on the show. I need to talk about data center because I don't that, know anything. About.
1: That makes me sound somewhat precious and diva-like, which well, would be true. Which is true because
0: the first, the first thing you said to me this morning was, "Have I how how is the D- data center podcast doing better against <laughs> the one that Andy <laughs> oh, Brocklehurst was on?" That. And and he has
1: beaten you. He has beaten you considerably. Um what but you mean you considerably. Were, you said it was tight this morning. It, no, I didn't say it was that tight. Oh man! So yeah. So my most disappointing moment this week. I don't mind admitting it. Uh, because I am very competitive with Mr. Brocklehurst. Him and I are, are uh, occasional roommates. And his recent podcast, which uh, admittedly I was participating in. You were on it, yes. I was on it. Participating in, that's what I said. You were co-hosting. That's Oh, right, a cont- co-hosting. But he's got more downloads than the one that I did when I was a guest.
0: But you, yeah, you, And th- that's yeah. upset me. But then if you think about the times you've been on podcasts, God, I feel like I'm having a blooming... Counseling session. counseling session but how many podcasts have you been on you've yeah. been on what's this your fourth now isn't it
1: fifth fifth yeah thanks Fifth. you yeah. are counting in here i really am
0: yeah but there we are anyway we, let's get back to darren shall we
1: yes so,
0: not Sorry. about us <laughs> so darren um we're here to talk about hyperflex but to open that out to people who maybe don't even know what hyperflex is like i didn't about six seven months ago when when you taught me all about it um was it's it's is I want to understand a bit more about what what is what what does HyperFlex, which is a, a is that our product name for something? Yeah,
2: so that's the Cisco product name, but it basically is hyperconverged solution. So hyperconverged,
0: yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. So let's try.
1: And, let's start there. Let's start yeah. there, shall we? So
2: big buzzword, obviously. Yeah. Very hot topic, but in essence, it's all about trying to simplify what people have been doing in the data center for years. So you, you traditionally had servers, networks, and storage. So okay. all three different silos to manage. When you wanted to change anything, you had to put in massive change windows, very complicated. And people just got fed up with that in terms of they needed a bit more speed and agility. So that's where hyperconverged got born. Collapse everything into a server. So memory, CPU, storage. Utilize a network to join it all together. And then you put a virtualization layer across that's the top That it. Sounds
0: like a PC or like a, a traditional server, doesn't it? Because that's got compute. Yeah, and then there's a and secret, so-
2: secret sauce on top secret source is the software defined storage layer that joins it all together and then right, presents okay. it He goes out all to
1: sparkly a... eyed when he talks about yeah. that. He you did to me. His eyes are Which
0: is quite great for podcasting. Uh, That's why I mentioned that. To... <laughs> presented to a
1: hypervisor and then you
2: sh- start sharing that out to your virtual machines. So,
0: so in my head, I'm still trying to work out what, what's that difference between the. Th- so, the only difference between hyper converged and tr- a traditional data center is that. You're doing it all in a, it just because it just sounds like a server again. Well, so it is a server.
2: I'm
1: being,
0: I'm being, mostly no, on no purpose. Worries. I'm being maybe a bit <laughs> disruptive. But
1: we should, we should warn the listener that, um, that 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 Justin's on holiday next week, and we think he needs his holiday. <laughs>
0: Do you think I'm being argumentative <laughs> on purpose? So
1: today, Justin's going to be Mr. Devil's advocate.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to be devil. well. I usually try to be, but in in a way of because if I if that's today's
1: saying, Devil's advocate yeah. with an edge. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs>
0: Because it's because we, we're not hungover for once.
1: Oh yeah, that was something. That was actually pointed out by another listener. Oh yeah, it was great today, isn't it nice? We were sat there
0: in the office, and actually, one of the listeners came up to us and said, "I really liked your App D podcast."
1: Yeah, it was and, good that. But he said, he said, you know, we perhaps shouldn't have been so open about our hangover. Hung, hangover. <laughs> so we're pointing out that we are this not podcast today. Is uh, this is done alcohol free? It's this is this alcohol is, free one. Yeah, this is <laughs> dr- brought to you by. <laughs> this is fresh, <laughs> sober. but everyone in need of a holiday yeah well especially you anyway back to Darren
0: anyway back to Darren (laughs) so yeah so the bit I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure that our listeners understand or get can get to is that what what is why why has the market because this is not a Cisco thing it's a market thing isn't it Yeah. how has that why is the market in the data center market Needing to go to maybe, I, I maybe I'm being a bit controversial or, or what was it trying
1: to be? You were being devil's advocate, I'd devil's advocate. But if we <laughs> take it way. back, if we take it, I mean, Darren, Darren started to talk about it because you know, we've had and we still have customers that will have their individual technology components, their teams built around that, you know, they've got their specialisms there. Um, but you know, some years ago now, you, you know, you started to talk about the concept of converged infrastructures which was about you know the bringing together either as a what we would describe as a reference architecture so that storage uh network and compute layer where that would either be you know uh, so it, it typically it was part cisco part someone else mm. but what you were bringing out to market was something which was either a you know what we would describe as a validated design so something that a customer could hang their hat on and say for this particular use case or that particular workload, when you bring these different components together, there's an assurance... And, I,
0: and when you mean by workload, we talk about what the app... What, what it is, does,
1: it, what runs on it.
0: Yeah, what, so like an application. An application, or yeah. Would it uh, always be an application at some time or would yeah. it be...
1: Of, of different types, you know, whatever it is that's running on that 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 infrastructure, there will be a use case around that, and we will have uh, very often created some sort of validated design. And by that, we've actually we've done a lot of the testing upfront engineering hours into basically saying that if you want to do that thing on this design, it'll work. Yeah. Um. And, and and there was a you know there was a lot of activity and a lot of um uh, you know as I say, uh, market growth in that space. And in some respects, this is, that hasn't gone away. That's still, you know, an important part of what goes on and, 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 it's all about time to value. I think the, the, is, is could, that
0: the thing because that's the obviously one part of this is where would you do and once we've got to the bottom of what is hyper converged and then obviously what is hyper Well,
1: and and that's the point. You so you got converges, but it but 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 similarly now you're trying to that's starting to evolve into what we would talk about in terms of hyper converged. It's it's that sort of next logical sequence in some respects and it's sort of bringing it together and more tightly coupling those different layers and from our perspective when it comes to Hyperflex, it's it's all Cisco.
0: So in the in in the sense so if i was looking at a, a a converged infrastructure it's about a robust highly designed highly tested infrastructure designed to host applications and if you want belt and braces and you want something that's solid and will it's i wouldn't say guaranteed can you have it? well, well it, long, so, in, yeah.
2: so the whole point around the reference architecture and the the what we call the Cisco validated design was to actually size and give you an understanding about if you built everything this way, you'd get these performance parameters. So people saw it as a safe pair of hands. Again, it was a a level of simplification away from build your own solutions, which people have got used to. So traditionally, you had some storage, you had a server, and then you'd attach those over the storage area network or a network. And there'd be levels of complexity that people just needed to understand and Mm -hmm. manage. Converged architectures took some of that simplification, and they gave it a, an easier way of being able to deploy an application for a customer and give them a knowing the end goal. So that was eight years ago. Things have moved on. There's levels now that people want to simplify even further, and that's where hyperconvergence
0: comes in. So even f- so, we're just trying to make it further simplification for certain things, for certain kinds of workloads or so applications. If you
2: if you look at where we started with converged architectures, a lot of the workloads that we started with converged architectures have moved into hyperconverged. The likes of VDI, virtual server infrastructure, um, database workloads. There's only as a, as a, there's a few that still traditionally would sit on a converged architecture. You're looking at if you really need sub-millisecond latency, you'd be looking at a flash array. Um, if you what need you mean by What's flash array? So Paper not all, all flash array. So we, where you've got, you you think about your iPhone, you've got so an SSD in there. Solid state drive, yeah. Yeah. You don't do
0: acronyms. You can do it once. Ah, you okay. have to explain it and right. then, you can, then you can go back. Solid
2: to state
1: drive. Yeah. You, you shouldn't learn because he corrects you every single time. Yeah. I've noticed. I've got your number.
2: <laughs> right. So solid state drive just times exponentially to data sizes.
1: So Go, going from a,
0: what would sit in a traditional a hard, old, disk. hard disk driver, sat there with an arm yeah. moving up and down. And
2: Solid State and was all about to get around latency, around retrieval and performance. So you get that in terms of some database requirements or some right. workload requirements. So that's where Solid State came in. And that's why it's still a component that people still design around, uh, maybe a converged architecture.
0: Okay. Yeah. Great. That, that sort of makes sense. So... What is it about so, so, so this simplification of converged infrastructure? That's where the that's where hyperflex fits in.
2: Hyperconverged. Hyperconverged. Sorry, we
0: do yes. not mentioned to mention hyperflex yet, do we? So that's what the we hyperconverged mar- yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah. So that's the hyperconverged market is looking at so every the whole market or everyone who works and lives in Breeze data center is been looking for a solution of further simplification of how I can make this easier to just deploy certain kinds of workloads. I keep Correct. saying workloads, as, yeah. and I would say applications or something like that. I don't
1: know. Are they interchangeable? Yeah,
0: are they? That's fine. Because mm. I don't. Then people go, "What's a workload?"
2: And, like, uh, and the the other area where hyperconverged has grown from is traditionally people where they got fed up with converged or build your own solutions. was when they wanted to stand up an application or a virtual machine, they go to the cloud. Right. So they where they go to the cloud shadow IT gives you a lot of issues around sovereignty compliance, just drending. But it's so costs. it's the
0: ease of so it's the e- the ease that the cloud gave in the sense of I can quickly wrote, spin up and run an application very quickly. Yeah. It's people are going, I'd like that, but I want it on an on-premise correct in my own data center. And that's
2: where hyperconverged delivers. So hyperconverged right, okay. is a private cloud in element in terms of allows you that agility to say, I need a virtual machine standing up very quickly. You can do that under the hypervisor. And when you want to scale that's where it then where so you when you go ramp- back to your question around a server and the difference, that's where then you get a difference. That's the scale, difference is the
0: scale of how can I, if I if I've got a server and and I'm, I'm sorry to be devil's advocate, I'm just trying to make sure I got this right in my head. Is if I've got a server and I want to and I've done this, I have a hole in my ceiling because of this because I was in in nine nine <sighs> years ago. I was doing a I was doing I was dem, I was building a lab in my house. And I put the server up into the loft because I was running some management software. <laughs> Are you software. really a geek? Yeah, I was a, I was a systems engineer once. Not a very good one, but I was a <laughs> systems engineer once. And I was running a an application on there. It was basically it was a it was A AAA server because I had to run upstairs and put more memory in and put more storage in. And it actually means I had to turn everything off, open the box up, put the more stuff in, close the box, fall through the ceiling, get laughed up by my wife. Um, laughed? She laughed at me, yeah, because she literally. I, I think
2: my wife would have been doing something probably more than laughing.
0: <laughs> I don't. What would your wife do? You've fallen through the. You just fallen through the line. We, we need
1: to move through. Move through this. <laughs> move, through this move, move through this topic.
0: I know it's quite funny though. But, <laughs> but it's this the thing of that's where servers are static things and, but if in a hyperconverged environment, I can go, I can very quickly add more storage, add more CPU. Is that what you're saying? Correct.
2: So right. you utilise multiple nodes, and plug those together via the network. And be able to extend, and a node be what would be a server. node, a server. So it's is it is, a server. Yeah, so
0: it's a server. But what you then do is
2: so you with the secret sauce on it, the so our
0: special software,
2: the hyperconverged software on top, basically extends the resources from a server into a pool of resources.
0: So it it allows you to stack lots of pool, stack whatever multiple servers together make it look like one massive server because we've got super mega software that sits over the top of that and we'll explain that i'm sure later Correct. on but yeah. we'll sit over the top of that and allows you to then expand contract and if i just need more if i need more um do i have to buy another server with c- cpu compute or do i can i buy
1: i just need more depends what you need right yeah. it depends you might need more capacity you might need more uh, compute so, capacity it would be storage. Yeah, so if I need more storage. And I think that's what I mean. We'll get on to that. You, yeah, so we, we am built... I taking this the wrong way then we, that's we. No, not no, so, you, so
2: you're, you're, you're jumping ahead in terms of. Oh, my. A little, like, bit, not like little
1: you. bit. Not like you to jump ahead. Remember, I mean, I think the basic premise for yeah. all of this is that, you know, um, the the older, more traditional ways of doing things are a bit more complex. They're certainly more time consuming. They take longer. And anything that's more complex and time consuming. It uh, costs the business more, and you know we all talk these days about the business demands. You know are you know exponentially growing the expectations and and how on how quickly you do things are absolutely shortening, um and you know that's given rise to to organisations having to find different better ways of accessing the resources that they need. Now that in some instances it might be you know quite right that they go and use and utilise a public cloud um but there's also scenarios where they don't want workloads or data or some combination of both um to be anything you know anywhere other than within their own premises right yeah um and in that scenario they still want to get the benefits of being able to rapidly scale right and, and enjoy a, a, a shortened and quick time to market or time to value as we would talk about yeah. um and, and and that's really what we're talking about here is to say well how do you simplify it speed it up so that actually you're minimizing those that, that overall total cost if you like and minimizing the time to value for for customers. So,
0: in my in my head,
1: I'm seeing two sort
0: of environments. I've got a a customer could have or might might have one or the, or the other or a bit of both of. I've got a converged infrastructure, which is my 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 guaranteed. Or not. Or, or.
2: It could be so they they could be using it traditionally for what they bought it for. Uh, they want may want to move things off of it and they could move that on hyperconverged and still sweat assets in terms of the converged architecture mm-hmm. they may still have applications that only will sit on the converged architecture and they want to be able to then utilize a hyperconverged architecture for other workloads yeah
0: so if i want to do rapid so if i want something that's quite static that's not going to keep that's that an application's up and running and i and i want to keep it on i can keep that on the converged infrastructure if i want to be more rapid And have that cloud type environment, but I want to keep it on prem. That's where you'd have a hyper converged. So a customer could have both, or one, or 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 just would they just go hyper converged?
2: No. So I don't see the today the workloads won't allow somebody to go hundred percent hyper converged. They've got to support certain workloads. If they don't have to do that, then potentially yes, they could go hundred percent hyper converged. But there's still applications that traditionally around the performance parameters and latency. May require
0: yeah, a th- so that's the bit I was trying to yeah. get in my head. Yeah, thank you, yeah. thanks for explaining that. That makes it makes a bit of me. And but it's that bit of I want that uh, the rapid development if the, I can I've got infrastructure that will allow me to rapidly get an application coded up and running with all the resources needed and a cloud like experience. That's but I want it on prem because I want the, the the whatever the controls or from a from a from a security or compliance perspective. That's where hyper converged. Yeah,
2: I, I think the, the, the biggest, um, uh, we go we went on simplicity there, but it's also about the flexibility. So if you think about converged architecture, you need to replace components within that. Traditionally, you may have to upgrade a storage controller, or you may have to replace the storage controller and replace the storage to get the bigger capacity elements. Yeah. Whereas in the hyperconverged, it's all about just plugging in and scaling the app. Storage or scaling the computer memory separately yeah, yeah, yeah. gives you that flexibility and, as and you that, grow. And
0: that, that scaling, is that something that is the same for all the different manufacturers no. or the vendors out there? So it is about, so that is one of our yeah. differences. Differences, yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? is It's how quickly can you, if so to the point earlier on of, I need some more um, capacity, storage capacity, or I need more compute. It's how different vendors do it differentiates them and that's what customers need to think about of correct okay is hyperconverged for me as in do i want that rapid deployment environment on premise and if i do then it's about how quickly what are the workloads can i run on it i'm, I'm looking i'm getting lots of nods so i'm not, I'm, I'm getting nodgy which works well on a podcast but i'm making sure i've got it right in my head so if i what are the kinds of workloads i want to do and do i want that rapid environment and which of the vendors is going to give me the things that i that that I really need, and I'm I still have to work that out yet from this podcast. So hopefully, we'll get to that. We will. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I, and, and on that one, you know, just you know, it's what you've got to try and visualise, and then it's visualising on a podcast and realise that doesn't necessarily work. But you know, <laughs> uh, the, the bit about scaling the things that you need at the point that you need them, right? That means you've got the most efficient way of doing that. So if it is compute capacity or if it is storage, if you scale those things, if you can add that capability. Without having to also then add other bits that you don't need, so you know rather than adding blocks of the same thing and just multiplying that out, where what un, what ultimately happens there is you'll get too much of one thing. Perhaps. Yeah. So if I need, if
0: I'm just if every, if I have to, if I got this right, so if I maybe take, i don't want to keep you take back to a server uh, uh, analogy, but if I, if You're I'm just buying back a, in your loft, but yeah, yeah, I am. It's
1: not Sarah, server. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip. That was a Freudian slip. Oh, yeah. I'll edit that bit out. I
0: definitely edit that bit out. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, but it is—it's that bit of going adding more, adding adding another box, another server with, with it with a, a fixed amount of compute, a fixed amount of storage, a fixed amount of 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 of, of RAM. And then going right—that's but I keep adding, but I don't need more storage. Correct. I just needed more capacity. And what, so that's what you're saying. I'm going to yep. end up with too much of something that I don't need. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's actually, I want to buy what I want. Yeah, inefficiency. Yeah. So that's 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 yeah. something to think about as well.
1: And remember, you know where you know. I, I mean, when Cisco entered the compute market, we, we're back to servers here. But when we entered the compute market, um, you know, at that time, and when we launched UCS, I mean, you know, that was a has, a, has been a very well established market for however eight long. Eight, eight, nine, nine years eight, ago eight, now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did bump into a customer
0: back back in November last year who said I didn't even know Cisco made <laughs> servers.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the sort of thing that the podcast can help, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you didn't know, we make servers. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) And we've moved on and we sell other things now.
1: Um, But the point there was, at the time, you know, you had established players in the market, you know, big vendors, but because you come at it from having a different way of approaching it and you're trying to tackle the problems that we know customers have got, that's what, you know, that's what essentially fueled in, 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 in many respects the success of UCS. And we're really t- taking the same concept, if you like, of trying to solve the problems that actually exist. Do it efficiently, you know, with the kind of, with a view of keeping things simple and easy for customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but also recognizing now that, that you sort of want something which is more tightly packaged, which isn't just one component, but it is all of the components. So the network piece, which allows the scaling, the compute piece, and then also the storage element, which is really what... Um, is, which is really what Hyperflex is or what Hyperconverged is and Hyperflex being our flavour of it, our yeah. product in the market. Because
0: yeah. I, I think we, we've definitely got to, I think we got to point one of what is Hyperconverged. <laughs> well, no, we've
1: jumped about because yeah. you brought up Hyperflex, which is point number five on our <laughs> uh, you know—okay, diligently typed up script would, would that's I... on the board.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Type <laughs> Uh, it's so actually we... it's hieroglyphics because it's me that wrote it up
0: so we've got i think we we definitely t- i think we yeah. for me in my mind i can i can understand what hyperconverged is and why people would cons- and customers would consider it consider it it's about now what is our flavor of hyperconverged, which is hyperflex, hyperflex.
2: so so if you th- if you think around what others have done around hyperconvergence they they had the idea around simplicity in the server So they created the server appliance, and they would then plug those together over a network. The challenge is they didn't include the network in their simplification. So where we learned and what we've done for the past nine years around UCS is to make sure the server is integral to the server workload. So you could then get predictability, low latency, and performance when you're connecting nodes together. And the virtualization that we also have with UCS to try and make things transparent in terms of hardware back
0: into an application.
2: So, What does that that
0: mean? Can you explain that a bit? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I did glaze a bit. I'm not quite sure what he's on about now.
2: Server profiles is what we call them. Yeah. It allows you to abstract the hardware into a virtualization layer. You can then make a profile for an application. Now, what that means is like your iPhone, if you've got an iPhone...
0: I do have an iPhone. Other phones are available. You
2: typically replace it Every year, eighteen months depends how much of a fanboy you are. I'm,
0: I'm on three years at the moment. Okay, right. So, <laughs> w- what do you
2: do? You plug it into iTunes. I've, I've
0: added. I've added a. I plug it into. A, yeah, go on. Yeah,
2: and you download <laughs> all your content onto your new phone. Yeah. and it appears like your old phone. Ah. Oh. So that's what UCS does. So you can do that to a server. You take the hardware ad- identity away from the server. So if you want to then repeat, uh, day they download time application. Yeah, so you
0: basically. So if I got this right so i have my itunes profile for for justin and doesn't matter i I, i'm not tying it to any phone now so as every year or every every so every time i want to change my hardware at my experience stays the same correct or gets better because i got quicker faster correct stuff
2: so so for instance in in terms of a ucs server if you had um a failure and say the motherboard went Typically, on a a traditional solution, you'd have to make sure that when you plugged in the new server, you made the application aware of the new hardware. So, you may change the worldwide name. for If it's a um, storage um, area network, it's going to go over the MAC address uh, or some of the drivers. So,
0: yeah, you'd have to manually link the application to say here's your new server Correct. that you're running on where yeah. and, and you have to do that manually where yeah. and like if you talk about the iPhone analogies I plug it in I it just downloads my whole everything all, all yeah, over the again profile. and, like, yeah, and that's what UCS
2: file. does so in terms of UCS we'll virtualize that hardware so you don't actually present the physical elements into the application right okay so you have a failure you drop down the um server profile on top of that new server and it'll inherit all of the virtualization from the failed server, and then it would be transparent to the application, and that goes down to the network.
0: So, is that so? In hyper in, in our HyperFlex, in HyperFlex, we're able to have a profile that totally correct that does not tied to any hardware at all. And in
2: well, the way- so there's there, there's two bits around the, the benefits we get around what we've done with the UCS elements is, in terms of the simplification of things, is it gives us that predictability of performance
0: where we can make use of the network. Right, okay. So the predictability performance is a big thing then. Isn't we it? Yeah. should
1: probably just point, we should just, just to make it clear that in terms of the compute part of HyperFlex, that is UCS. Yeah. It's, it's just a, right. it's a... It's a UCS server. It's a UCS yeah. server. It's yeah. the magic software that sits over the top
0: And yeah. uh, as well. Yeah.
2: Now within that network... Which we will talk about this magic software. We will get there eventually. <laughs> um, So the, the Fabric interconnects, which connect those servers together allow us to move traffic storage traffic between the nodes which is different to everybody else's because they will try and stay on the node where their virtual machine is to try and guarantee performance because they don't
0: right, okay so the end it so all the other vendors out there still use servers and but have their software over them and the difference is because it, we we make our own servers and we have our special software we're able to Spread that workload over multiple different servers and make it gu- and guarantee performance again.
2: In very high level, yes. Okay. When you get down to the weeds, they will all. I don't argue- think we do weeds in this podcast. Okay, <laughs> they'll all argue they do similar to what we do. But what we do is because we have that distribution of our data throughout the whole architecture. And is that because
0: of the fabric? In- the- the-
2: so is making use of the fabric interconnects and the
0: fabric connect is the network part of it, correct? Which we
2: yeah. So we have a private network connecting our nodes together. They will use a public network typically.
0: What does it mean by private and public? I, I, in my head, I've got a network Okay. head on now. So. so
2: so you have your public network that all your other traffic's going across. You then plug in two top-of-the-rack switches for other. They will join the public network. Yeah. Whereas ours, the Fabric Interconnects, they have northbound into the network. But everything southbound is a private network.
0: So anything within the Hyperflex node, not node, cluster, node, cl- cluster sorry, yeah. in the Hyperflex cluster, that traffic just stays within there and we don't worry about it. It's not going to impact the, Correct. the, the. I wouldn't say the, the public network, but obviously you have different different talks in, different ways of speaking in data center land. Um, so that means it, you're not going up to a distribution switch coming back down again when you're trying to get, you're just going, everything's... Yeah, that, that's, so, so within... That cluster is just communicating with itself in its own little world.
2: Within the cluster, you're a single hop away from any... so Anywhere. Anywhere, correct. That gives you major benefits in terms of we can do things at the network level that then are transparent to, I call it the public network, we'll call it whatever you want. I don't know... Um, But say, for instance, um, IPv6 multicast or jumbo frames, um, those type of technologies that may have an impact on the main part of the network and vice versa. If you're doing something in the main part of the network like a spanning tree update, you typically could affect a traditional approach around hyperconvergence because that's part of the main network. Whereas if you do a spanning tree update and you've got Hyperflex in and the FIs, it's transparent. FIs? Fabric, Fabric
0: into- interconnects. interconnects yeah. Yeah. Fabric interconnects. Yeah. You can say FI from now
1: on. So Is that allowed from now on? From now on. From now yeah. on, because you've explained yeah. it. <laughs> you allowed us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, with that predictability and the virtualization, it makes it very simple to install. So when you stand up a HyperFlex environment first time, you can do that with very little knowledge of a network, the hypervisor, servers. You don't have to be an expert to do this. So what you do is you have what we call the installer. Really clever name, obviously, but it does what it does. (laughs) It installs. So you, you plug into a little bit of information around your credentials, how to get into the Fabric Interconnects, and your credentials, how to get into the hypervisor. Give it a bit more IP information that you need, and it will then go away and do everything you need to build the network, down to what VLANs you need, uh, the virtual network interface cards or VNICs, uh, all of that around the network. It'll put in what policies it needs around jumbo frames and those type of things. Again, transparent to you. You don't need to be doing any of this. Now, then move on to the servers. Make sure the servers have got the right firmware, drivers, virtualize all the hardware. Then go into the hypervisor and then set up the cluster ready for the data store. Now, in a three-node cluster, that's all done and dusted in 35 minutes.
0: Right, okay, so th- from from scratch, it takes 35 minutes to have a uh, fully a...
2: operating data center serving out of a virtual um, a hypervisor.
1: And, what would and, just, be, and oh, just as a you know, just just think back to well, your example in your loft, which now is a hole in which that's been the... there
0: for eight years and I haven't fixed it. You
1: haven't fixed it, or you know, a a, a, a typical classic customer. You know trying to roll something like this out and implement across server storage and network there's a degree of complexity and there's certainly a degree of time that that takes that you'd probably measure uh, typically in weeks and months not minutes and that that's that example there of going from weeks and months to something you know in that scenario that dan's just described in just over half an hour
0: and how does that compare to a cloud environment to be devil's advocate
2: so Cloud environment has to be there in the first place. Obviously, you've, you've got a level So, so of... if,
0: I'm, if I'm trying to compare now, so I, 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 a developer goes, I need to to get this workload application yeah. up and running, I need
2: some... Okay, so if you're comparing apples with apples...
0: Uh, well, it's not. It might, and if, it's no, no. To say, if it's not apples for no, apples, No, that's fine. no,
2: no. If you're comparing apples for apples, Hyperflex is already present and the yeah. cloud's already present. Yeah. So you're talking public or private cloud. Yeah. They're already present. It then becomes down to how you orchestrate. So you like you, you utilize something like a UCS director uh, to orchestrate a workload into HyperFlex or into the public cloud. Mm-hmm. The orchestration is the important bit there, which will make it the same or very similar experience for a developer. Now, in terms of the actual hardware that we have. And what a public cloud has, that's pretty much transparent or irrelevant to a developer. They don't
0: care. Yeah, that's a bit. So yeah. if it, if it, I'm just trying to say, so that half an hour that you said, I'm just thinking in the, in the real world, if I was going to go and say, right, I need the same amount of compute and storage. From our- yeah,
1: But remember, what we've done there is that that that's essentially that's that environment stood up. So that's standing up an environment. Yeah. To provision um, some resource for a particular request, whether it's developer, whoever's made that, that again, that's that's different because we are trying to, uh, in some respects, you know, at the end of the day, you know, developers will go to the cloud because there's you know uh, a fairly rich you know uh, toolset that they mm-hmm. can use. Across multiple levels of what they've got to of what they've got to try and do, but there are reasons why organisationally you might not want to constantly stay within the public cloud environment for workload reasons, sovereignty data, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, so there are those. So reasons. So it's not really like for like, really, because so it's not necessarily like for like. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to, in some respects, mimic that experience, right? So, so give it the same sort of look and feel uh, in terms of provisioning. You know, there should, it, you know, you want to make it as quick or, 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 or quicker to provision resources from within your private cloud, you know, relative to your public cloud, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to spin up a virtual machine, there should be no difference in how long that takes uh, when you're in a private environment versus a public environment. And I think that's the point, because what we're saying here is if you did that before and you were trying to order some resources, that could be something that might take quite a long time. Yeah. Um now you're saying within that, you know, hyperflex environment and because of the software that sits on top, that now becomes much, much quicker and you know, on a par or in some cases better than what you might get if you're utilizing public cloud. Remember that the reality is for most of our customers, you know, probably ninety plus percent if you believe what the analysts say, you know, they're going to be utilizing both. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. it's not one or the, the other, bit, yeah. it's both, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's the one thing sort of
0: not being a data center person, I can sort of look at that. And go, you don't and I need can't. to
1: apologise for that. I mean, no, you know, no, I, did,
0: I didn't apologise because
1: did I? But you sounded quite apologetic, and I thought you know, <laughs> in the same way that you've you know, steadily over the course of the last five podcasts, I've, I've become you know, promoted into uh, from the one-time guest stand-in co-host to now the occasional guest stand in backup sure. co host. So I really feel that like I've progressed. Yeah. In that same time, you've also become, you know, more into the D C fold. Indoctrinated. Well enough when when And, and, we, and we, we love you for it. And Mark Jackson also
0: be security, 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 I've got data center, data center, which is great. Yeah. And I'll always make sure the network
1: is by the time out. this is all done, you're just gonna be so valuable out in the marketplace, Justin. You I mean I you'll might name be. your own price.
0: I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> for those old people out there so um just getting back
0: to it so the the hyperflex the difference is ours is one about the fabric internet and the way that uh, that will allows you to um keep that traffic within side your cluster that's one of the differences. that's one of the differences yeah. that's only one i haven't got there's there are other ones um so that that's one big one as well so what's And that consistent performance is is obviously something that's that's hugely important. What are the other things around HyperFlex that make it a difference to the other hyper-converged? It is hyper-converged.
2: Okay, so you have a lot of servers traditionally in a data center. And if we're talking about converged architecture, they are connected into storage Mm -hmm. via a network or storage area network. Now, there may be things where you're looking at a workload that maybe for... 10 months of the year it is sitting fairly not doing a lot and you don't need a lot of compute for it think about a POS solution uh, that'll be a, a point of point sale, sale. Yeah. there you go and for christmas period holiday area you need all hands on deck you need all your compute running against that point of sale solution but with the rest of the year you may want to be doing some testing development well In normal circumstances, you don't traditionally change that server workload and reposition it somewhere else because it's part of a reference architecture. Well, the beauty of the Cisco technology is that we can change the identity of that server and make it a Hyperflex compute-only server because we support any UCS server. We can put a free piece of software on there and allow that to join the cluster.
0: Okay, so... Yeah. You have a cluster of HyperFlex cluster. Yeah. Then you've got a unified uh, infrastructure, I- I- infrastructure. Converged. Converged infrastructure, yeah. sorry. <laughs> converged infrastructure that's based on UCS technology. You can then, at, at, at a, any point in time, if you need to, you can actually bring other servers other, into your cluster. Correct. So to so expand the cluster without actually being them part physically Yeah, connected. and that, that's the
2: key bit. It's not becoming part of the cluster in terms of, where others would scale an, uh, like the server or what we call the appliance by adding in all the resources into the... Yeah. What we're doing is we're allowing virtual machines to sit on there and address the storage within the Hyperflex data platform.
0: Right, so it's just the storage of the hyper, of the Hyperflex cluster is being used, Correct. not Correct. the compute. Correct. Right, okay, yeah. I got it. I've got it, I think, I've got it. Yeah. You're looking at me funny, Joachim. I'm <laughs> not going, looking at you. How
1: long does, just, does it take you to get an understanding am I'm just looking at you. It's not funny, I'm just looking at you. All right. Is that all right? Yeah. And that,
2: that goes back to what Joachim was saying around that ability to scale where you need to. So you're not having to scale storage for the sake of it. So if you think about a, a VDI workload, virtual desktop infrastructure, yeah. you traditionally, as you roll that out, you're going to make good savings in terms of deduplication and compression with storage because there's a lot of likeness or...
0: Similarities in the data. Yeah. as
2: you roll out more desktops. So if you were to think about I don't know 500 desktops to start with, and you build a HyperFlex or a hyperconverged platform. Mm-hmm. You put in terms of HyperFlex, you build that platform, maybe three or four nodes. When you wanted to roll out the next 500 users, the traditional approach would be, oh, I've run out of CPU and memory on those four nodes. I need more. Would be to buy more appliances. So you would scale out the storage as well and the hyperconverged licensing. We do it slightly different. We say, well. You've already got enough storage there because with the and compression savings, why throw more storage at it? Why don't you just utilize existing servers if you have them or you buy new servers, you attach them into the data platform and use the CPU and memory from those servers, what we call compute only servers. And then you address so you, the storage. So you, you already have.
0: so you buy a server that has no, no storage on it. I'll have a little bit of storage a bit for the, the,
2: obvious, yeah, for the VMware or Hyper-V instance. Yeah, yeah. But you're not buying like you're not te- buying, ter- ter- no.
0: terabits of or petabytes or whatever it is. I don't even know how big a storage goes into a server anymore. Um, terabytes in a terabytes, server. Yeah, yeah, In a server, yeah. So you, yeah. terabytes, so you just go, I need a, a certain amount of storage just to keep yeah. the, the things running, and then I just add that to my cluster. And the
2: virtual machines that sit on there will just be utilizing the v uh, the CPUs and memory from that server. yeah. But the, the biggest key difference is customers then don't have to extend out their licensing around the hyperconverged platform. So it drives
0: down that TCO. Right. Okay, Okay. we've gone into licensing now. Because
1: you, you, you're spending... Like, essentially, you're, yeah. you're, you're making most efficient use of what you've already got. Yeah. If you need to add more, you're only adding specifically the things that you need to add, not any more. Yeah, yeah. And you're not also having to add licenses and therefore cost yeah. to your existing hyper-converged environment. So it's yeah, just... It's just an efficiency thing. So when we say TCO, that obviously total cost of ownership, it's just a smarter, more efficient yeah. way of doing things. I mean, one of the questions I had actually was because we started to talk about. You mentioned VDI and 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 why you know that's one of the sort of prime use cases as we would describe, and, and and why you know the Cisco you know from our perspective, Cisco HyperFlex is a really really nice fit for that use case. Um, I just are there you know are there one of the things I, I, I know over the course of the last 12 plus months is we've kind of expanded and, and broadened the capability yeah. um, beyond um, the initial use cases of which VDI was one, um, continues to be one, obviously. Um, but are there more that we can share? And, and are there actual customer examples that are publicly shareable, I suppose? Um, that, that, that we can kind of help you know, you know that, that we can kind of describe or touch on that um, that just helps land I suppose the these kind of environments these use cases and why why customers you know are adopting this technology.
2: So yeah as you mentioned, VDI was one of the original use cases. Um, there was there was a, there was a v, VSI virtual server infrastructure so general server infrastructure. Uh, there was also the likes of uh, Robo so remote office branch office. Um, they I did just went RoboCop
1: with that. <laughs> oh, well, that was back to robots in disguise. Oh, you see, you've uh, done Transformers and RoboCop. Excellent. So, uh, Robo. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, so when we first started, it was it was around those type of workloads where we created the CVDs and the white papers to give customers the experience of what the architecture and the workloads that were suitable for hyperconvergence. Then we've made... Again, as we have tight links with the hardware because of UCS, as we brought things into UCS, the likes of All Flash, uh, the likes of new processors, uh, the likes of 40 gig networking, it opened up different types of workloads that we could then support. So, the likes of databases, the likes of um, even bigger footprints of VDI yep. uh, and those type of things yeah. so it, it expand the size of the clusters but also the performance and where we have that predictability and performance as we grow clusters we then get that linearity and performance but it's a very tight band into all virtual machines within the environment so that, that's good for the the predictability so when we started out the likes of um, VDI uh, ex- examples the likes of Bank and Bellevue in Switzerland they had a a headache where they were trying to virtualize their trading desktops. So they were replacing traditional workstations um, or PCs with everything running on the PC. They then moved to Hyperflex um, two years ago when we first uh, launched the product and have since upgraded into even more um, technology for more uh, desktops. And they've gone from when we initially, when they bought was a, a hybrid. So so they they've... Done the traditional. What we've seen a lot of people buy into the technology, either expand or update with new technologies to increase the different workloads they can support.
1: You know, within their VDI environment, they've kind of gone from a scenario where the, the the teams were coming in in the morning, switching on, you know, their their workstation or their you know, and then going away and getting a cup of tea because it took 20 minutes to warm up, and they'd gone from that 20 minutes. Uh, to now being less than a minute to get that environment and get that workstation up and running, um, which is clearly a fantastic productivity gain, right? Although the, 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 apparently the individuals are now complaining that they don't have time to go and get a cup of tea in the morning. So, you know, okay. it's good to get, isn't it?
0: <laughs> so from a um, differentiators of, of what Hyperflex is good at, one is around performance and scale, because of the, the Fabric Interconnect and allows you to do that. One well, other bit is the ability to expand... Have the storage part of it be part of a um, converged infrastructure on a on a, a as it, at at a server level at a server level. Yeah, uh, the ability to add compute uh, compute only, so you're not having to buy storage when I don't need it. I only buy the compute and the RAM when I need it um, to to grow my clu- to grow my cluster. Are there other things that are okay? Brilliant. It's, is is there, there any other ones? There's lots more of it. I know we've that, only but got, but an hour. <laughs> we've got an hour. And we've been going for an hour, so. uh,
2: Big ones. Um, so, in terms of the interaction into the further parts of Cisco, uh, the likes of Cloud Center. Not sure if you've covered Cloud Center on the podcast before. We've mentioned it. Okay, so this goes back to the multi-cloud, or we haven't mentioned multi-cloud, but this goes back to when people have private and public, or multiple publics. We call that the multi-cloud all about being able to make decisions around where you want your applications be placed, depending on your requirements. So Cloud Center will allow you to move it from public back into private or vice versa, or public to public. Really makes it nice and easy and gives you that ability to have the choice of where you want things housed, A, for maybe design purposes or security, but also if it's public, maybe down to cost. You may have better terms in AWS than Azure or Google. And being able to move things around very easily, that's key for customers. When you then start thinking around how you want to look at the application, uh, if you're looking at uh, um, containers and the likes of microservices, we can utilize AppDynamics to be able to then look at the application and make decisions around the application in that multi-cloud environment. Again, key bits included in hyperconvergence with hyperflex, is that private element. And then you've got C1, which is... um, Cisco, workload, workload
1: optimization. Manager. 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 Yeah. See, I told you, DC indoctrination.
2: Yeah. That allows you then to move things around either automatically by C1. They can learn and do it themselves, or they can instruct you. But it gets the best out of your infrastructure in terms of the virtual machine requirements. It may say... You've got underutilization on certain parts of your your servers. You may want to move things together or move things around, and that's all again built into the multi cloud element of Cisco okay. with HyperFlex, giving you just more experience around how you want to do things.
0: Okay. One thing has come to mind is in this cluster, what yeah. happens if one of your servers in the cluster fails?
2: Good question. So again, through our design, we have multiple copies of our data as we write them across multiple nodes. Now within the solution, there's two ways of operating um, and this is going to get a little bit technical so I'll try and keep it high level. So if you,
1: You've you done it now, Justin, haven't you?
2: If you think about how we lay the data out across this cluster where we have multiple copies of the data if we lose a node, we don't care because we have the network built into the solution where we will automatically go across the network, single hop to the next point where we have data. And that's built into the solution. And that's been,
0: so your data has been spread across all your servers because of that Fabric interconnect. Correct. Because you have your own yeah. network yeah. specifically for your cluster. Yeah. You can lose a you can lose a uh, a node and not have a problem we at don't, all. We don't care. And also that mostly works on the same level as if I need to add a node, I can just add a node. And that, as soon as I connect to the Fabric interconnect, it's going to start, start balancing, spread, out. balancing out the data across it. Correct.
2: Now that's in what we call traditional mode. And then we have a new mode, which is called... Uh, Laz, which is logical availability zones, Ooh. where we carve up a cluster and allow even more failure potential uh, protection where we can lose even more nodes. So today, uh, without LAS, um, across a five node or more, you can have two node failures at any one time. Okay, Within LAS, depending on the amount of nodes you have and how you've configured it, you could suffer up to 15 nodes, potentially. So it's all about where the data is laid out because what you want to do is protect the data across the cluster and make sure you have a minimum of two copies at any one time of your data.
0: So you're basically sort of virtualizing, you're zoning off your infrastructure so I can go, right, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah,
2: so you're virtualizing the cluster,
0: yeah. Well, wow. and that allows you for even more de-du- uh, duplication or, or backup, not, not too close, spreading of the data.
2: It, it lays out the data smartly, so it can then take care of any nodes failing mm. that you don't have potentially if you had three nodes fail. In today's non-LAS, if you had three nodes fail, you could have all three copies of your data on those three nodes, your cluster goes down. Yeah, In LAS, it allows you then to have that protection that if you lose three nodes your data is spread out, that it's not going to be present on those three nodes. I think if
0: you lost three nodes, I think you must be already aware of it by then, But new, Yes. <laughs> and so if I want to grow my cluster and add more nodes, and nodes being a server of some kind, yeah. in whether it's just compute only or it's compute and storage, um, is I can just do that in, in a live environment. I don't have to t- turn anything off. No downtime. Off. To, and if, if somebody fails, I can just take the old one out and add the new one. Absolutely.
2: It's all about uptime yeah. and protection. So... Where we have built in the ability with the um, distributed file architecture, it allows you then to plug a server in. And it will then self-balance, as you said earlier. Or if one fails, you've then got storage already there that's going to be able to address the virtual machines. Now, as you add more servers in, we have the benefits of UCS again and the Fabric Interconnects and UCS Manager around you plugging in a server and taking the network policies that have already been configured for the ports you're going to join so you don't have to do any network management and also the servers will inherit a hyperflex server uh, profile and again makes it very easy to scale so it's all about that element in terms of that now in terms of other parts of the management we again have benefits as we go and think around ucs around what we call intersite
0: oh right what you mean so having clusters of Across different sites then, is it? No,
2: Intersight's all about taking the mentality of managing a compute platform, to start with, Mm. into the cloud. So think about Meraki. Okay. Okay. All about cloud management and making things easier for customers to be able to manage their resources. Intersight does the same thing. So Intersight will have, uh, you have access into a cloud Mm -hmm. and you have the Intersight application will then own parts of your compute environment You can manage everything from the cloud then as you go down into those connectors within those platforms. And in Hyperflex terms, it allows us to, in the robo use case, roll out, say, 100 uh, sites without ever having to visit those sites where we traditionally would have to go onto the cluster to stand up the cluster. We can do all that from the cloud. So you can then stand those 100 sites up. So it's
0: basically cloud-managed Hyperflex?
2: It's not just Hyperflex. Anything. It's UCS. That's Ooh. the element around where insights taking people. Okay. So if you think about what we did with UCS nine years ago, we rethought how people could utilize servers for their applications. We introduced the Fabric Interconnects. Similarly, again, we're rethinking how people can look at their server management mm-hmm. and take the likes of SmartTAC into the cloud.
0: SmartTAC?
2: So traditionally, where you have a TAC case, someone goes, oh, I need the logs. Can you upload the logs onto an FTP site for me? Everybody else has to do that. We can now use smart TAC, that the TAC can actually use the connections they have within Intersight into the platforms to get to those logs and do it themselves. They don't have to wait for... The...
0: So it's easy resolution of issues.
2: Correct. Also analytics built into it around how things are uh, working. Also the likes of hardware compatibility lists, being able to understand if you have an advisory on a drive version you would traditionally have to go through every server to work out have I got this problem. It's a bit of a uh, problem today within smart uh, within uh, insight everything's known within insight because you you've got that connection within to the hardware layer. I'll be able to tell you you've got eight servers that've got this drive. You need to go and do something about it. Do you want me to do it for you? Okay. It's all about making things different in terms of that management layer and bringing more and more um of the different point solutions around Say the hardware and some of the software layers into one area and make it API driven. Okay, yeah,
0: brilliant. Got a bit technical there.
2: <laughs> I know you did. I did, oh,
0: did something. To... Well,
1: it, it sounds like we've reached that sort of natural point we have, that we can. Um, where, and I like to get to this point because what we like to we like to leave a DC focused podcast nicely balanced for the need for another one. Because we can get into the whole multi-cloud stack, and we've touched on some of those things—Intersight, Cisco Workload so Optimization t- Manager—and yeah. how all of that hangs together. So that sounds like that's another—that's another, that's another a podcast, topic for so another podcast for we another should, day. Yes. All right, then. Not enough. I see it as a sort of form of retention on my on, on my own. I might okay. get invited back.
0: You will do. That's a lot. Is that is there, is there other stuff to talk about than that?
1: Uh, what today? I don't think so. Not today. No. no can't not today. You in today. <laughs> my editing now. Is it? It's really, And it's yeah. not yeah. Even I'm really think hard about it.
0: Hopefully the listeners aren't doing the same.
1: No, no, but no, look, it, it, you know, and I think that's the point. You know, this is this, this is a big and important part of our, you know, what what, what we talk to customers about. Yeah. But there's other layers of it, obviously, yeah. that are all linked and integrated, etc. Okay. So, definitely, topic for another day.
2: And, and okay. a lot of what we've discussed here, you can easily go and find on our website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
1: where would they
0: go for that
2: then? Uh, Cisco.com forward slash go forward slash hyperflex.
0: Okay, nice and simple
1: URL. Uh, yeah. Some new, brand new. Uh, case studies and different things like that on there too, for, okay. for people to read yeah. to so, so
0: uh, thanks very much Darren for today no problem thanks Joachim again yeah. for being
1: your permanent you're, co-host standing you almost said that like you meant it
0: I do of course I mean it oh thanks chap. Um, <laughs> if you've got uh, any questions or you want to contact the show uh, like Roy did it's, that'd be great uh, you can contact us at uh, Twitter at Justin Woollen uh, via email justin.woollen at cisco.com two hours one hour Or you can contact us on uh, LinkedIn as well, which uh, people have been doing. So uh, thanks very much, guys, today. Thanks very much. And thanks very much for listening.